Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Lost in the Groove with your host, Mike and Dave. Today, we'll be talking about life, society, as well as we can make things better, start a new day for a better tomorrow. Let's continue with the intro music so we can start today's podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to Lost in the Groove. Today's episode is Who Gets Less and Who Gets More? Uh, Like always, listener's discretion is advised, and today's sponsor is Anchor. Like always, guys, uh, remember to check us out on Patreon so you can be a part of the Groovy family and follow along, be a part of the discussion, and let's make something incredible together. Uh, today actually is a really special day because I have a really close friend of mine by the name of Carissa, which who and will and is joining us today. Carissa, would you like to introduce yourself to the crowd? Yeah, for sure. Hey, I'm Carissa. Um, I came up with the name Lost in the Groove. <laughs> yes, yeah, she actually um, is, is actually the uh, um, inspiration. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, um, man, if I'm going to introduce myself, um, let me see. Hi, I'm Carissa. I am an artist. Um, I consider myself a accepting and open-minded person. Um, that's very, you know, caring and cares a lot about, you know, my friends and the people around me. Just, you know, I, I thought that it was important to, reach out and speak to people about, you know, things that could help, things that could, you know, add to your lives and and enrich you and and the people around you, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I I, I can't speak for Mike, but um, I can say it's really happy to have another person here along. Uh, Me and Mike, we have a lot of fun, but sometimes it's nice to get uh, another person in there Kind of discuss certain things, get a different perspective. Uh, this topic is an interesting one because I actually fall into this category um, when it comes to a lot of things. However, I do have quite a biased opinion when it comes to these kind of things. So trying to keep an open mind and trying to be able to keep an open opinion. Um, Mike, do you want to do you want to start off and then we'll we'll kind of go around like a bunch of fucking children doing uh you know uh chairs what do you call it musical chairs we can yeah absolutely uh, yeah absolutely. you know what we'll just go around we'll share yeah. you know share ideas and our thoughts about all this i mean i know you we, have we can raise our hand like you know like can i talk hello i do have a tendency to talk over people i apologize yes. just no that's okay be like, shut up, person. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. Just, bu- just butt in whenever you feel like doing so. Oh, you, hell yeah. I'll try not to be too quiet, too. You know, I got to find a medium or something. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> all in all, I mean, I know, David, that you you have uh, quite a lot to say about um, this particular subject. We've talked about many aspects of this, you know, um, and, uh, you know, who gets less, who gets more. And by the end of this conversation um hopefully the listeners will have uh, a broader like perspective on um you know some of some of these ideas 
So we'll begin with aristocrats. You know, uh, it's recognized as a, a figure in American culture. Not the movie that came, that was from Disney. So I just want to. No, no, not That's about aristocrats. Cats. Those aristocrats. Aristocrats. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's the upscale American that lives lavishly. And this is the image that has been carved in our brains. Um, the, the coldness, the cruelty, it really has no bounds. And, you know, we are told from a young age that um, our life is the class that we will be in forever. Hell yeah. In, unless, you know, unless, you know, we create something magical that changes the world. And then all of a sudden we get to like, you know, level up from there. Yeah. But, but even like, then. Yeah. As a kid, like they did that. It was like you know, you can have anything you want. Like in elementary school, like they'd be like, you know, anything, reach for the stars. You can have anything you want. So when I was, we were talking about that, I was like, oh, wait a second. I can't agree with that. I was never told that I will stay in my class. No, no, no. It's a metaphor. But wait, then I thought about it more. And I thought, you know, it was kind of like, you know, stay exactly where you're at. Or do some insane thing that's going to like push you to a whole other level, you know? So it was like, you got to do something just out of control, which honestly, graduating from college kind of seemed out of control. too. Right. The, like, the, what? The, How do I do that? Like the, the <laughs> idea that I was trying to portray was, and Mike, you can kind of put your input into this, was we are raised from a young age where there's different types of Americans, but primarily you go to school and then you go to college to get a degree to become a lawyer or a doctor so you can make money and become wealthy. Or there are other types of Americans where you're raised that, you know, your father was a contractor, architect, you know, plumber or et cetera, just a working type of environment. And then you kind of have that idea of like, oh, you go into the field and you continue otherwise. But the thing is, we don't have, again, I'm not saying everyone is going through this, but I'm saying this is kind of a pretty common thing that does happen where we are raised that there's classes and you're born into a class and primarily you stay that class because if your father's a lawyer, your parents, in most cases, will want you to continue to be a lawyer. You know, if your father was a contractor, in most cases, your father would want you to continue to become a contractor. Uh, that's yeah, just I mean, how many times do you see the lawyer, you know, the lawyer's kid go down a class? Does that happen very often? <laughs> like, you don't really see it go opposite. You know what I mean? Depends like, on you the, don't fa- see, like, depends a rich on the family. A rich that, that, that has a lot to do with nepotism, too. You know, like the parents uh, work incredibly hard to get to a certain position. And because of nepotism, they can most certainly get their children into places that the average yeah. person uh, would find it difficult to get to uh, without uh, incredible amounts of uh, effort. Uh, so that's, yeah, it never, yeah. you're right. You're right, Chris. So like it, it's rare that that child would go down a peg, but they yeah. do have a tremendous, you know, uh, leverage o- over, um, many many common people who are trying to attain the same thing and it's from their predecessors their parents who make it possible for them right 
Well, they also, the children grow up in a, I could go on about children's education. It's one of my passions, but um, I, they also grow up in an environment that's um, sometimes much more structured for education. Um, Maybe not as much drama at home. They always have the food that they need, you know, different things like that are going to help them get better educations, be able to study, be able to focus more at home. You right. know, and like if you have a more stable, structured life, you're going to do better in school. Yeah, there's also there's also another take on all of this, which is where we do have this idea, especially today, this, you know, the rich society here in the United States, United States bleh, can be summed up in three categories. There's the financially comfortable, there's the millionaires, and then there's the billionaires. So the billionaires is kind of a new uh, class in the United States, you know, we didn't really have billionaires until about, I think, about 25 or 30 years ago. Um, they both are ruled and they're upscaled by our quote unquote socialist government that we have now today. We're in percentage wise, they do pay a lot less taxes than the rest of the classes here in the United States. Awful. And in regards to these other classes, you do have to also take into account where not all of these classes have that much to have much in common, except the millionaires and billionaires. The financially comfortable are kind of in another category in itself. But the problem still lies is where you have these higher classes of millionaires and billionaires, where because they have this type of freedom that is not only allowed, but it's also encouraged by our government, that they usually have the upper hand to the point they do get away with a lot for sure. Correct. Crime. I mean, murder, rape, molestation. I mean, cruelty towards their own, you know, working class in their own companies, right? Child labor is another example of this. And the crazy thing is, and I've done research on this countless of times, the United States government actually consents to this in what way They actually use equipment from these companies, even though they are using this type of work, like Carissa mentioned, child labor, forced labor in China, India, Pakistan, Vietnam. The list goes on. But there is one class that is kind of interesting, which, like I just mentioned before, which is a financially comfortable. Carissa, do you want to? You want to elaborate on this? I feel like you're the financially comfortable. I mean, when we talked about it, I was like, what exactly are the differences between the financially comfortable and the so-called middle class? You know, like I'm like, well, what exactly is the difference here? Because like when I grew up, we were always considered middle class, but I never would have called us financially comfortable. Right. Uh, we weren't poor and we weren't rich. But when you look at rich people, we were poor. Um, but I, I definitely, I always considered myself, you know, um, I, I had a lot, you know, I never, I was never like, you know, really hard up for anything. I was always really appreciative, you know, the fact that I didn't, I mean, I knew, I knew that, you know, I had things that other people don't Right. and, you know, you share and you, you know, you don't judge people for not having what you don't and different things like that. And right. I, you know, Mike, I, I was I, I put this down, but I mentioned that the way that I view financially comfortable, and I do agree with Carissa, we're middle class and financially comfortable as of today, 
You know, 30 years ago, they were the same thing. 100% agree with you. But today, they're not. Financially yeah, comfortable true. and middle class are two different two different uh, stereotypes. And the thing is, it is, in a way, a gray area, Mike. But um, what I think is the most interesting is financially comfortable goes according to where you live. Because, for example, if you lived in New York City, okay, financially comfortable would mean that you need to make around between seventy-five dollars to $85,000 a year to be actually comfortable to be in New York City. But when you compare that to go to Los Angeles, like Chris is from Los Angeles and Mike is actually in Los Angeles. Uh, the well, I, I live there, but I'm, I mean, I'm right now in there, Iowa. But yeah, I didn't grow up there. That's not how I was raised. Right. Yeah. But so the thing is, like with Los Angeles, as an example, is. A financially comfortable income to actually be like financially comfortable in Los Angeles, you would need to be making more than one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but like I just mentioned, New York City is also an extremely expensive city. And a person being financially comfortable, they only have to be between seventy-five to 85000 So the term financially comfortable kind of changes depending on where you go. Middle class doesn't work like that. Middle class always stays the same no matter of where you are. Because middle class means that you're making the medium income. The average income. Yeah, I mean, when like growing up, Anybody who made, and seriously, not even now, anybody who makes over a hundred thousand dollars, you're like, whoa, like you know. I mean, and it's because I'm from the Midwest, and so like you don't need a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like that's the difference. It's like you don't need it. So when somebody does make it, it's like, whoa, you know, like wow, look at you, like. Because a lot of people, they don't, you know, just try as hard as they freaking can and struggle like crazy because you actually probably could live, you know, working at, you know, a, a minimum wage job in the Midwest. You actually can. Like, you might just have a small apartment and stuff like that, but you could live. Yeah. Right. Mike, what's your take on this? Uh, I got I got too much to say about this, but it's, um, you know, okay. to, to really sum it up, I mean... Um, what both of you are saying are valid naturally like LA is definitely going to be expensive. New York is definitely expensive and you know, how you choose to live your life matters as well. If you're going to be living in LA on 45 grand a year, let's say right on the low end, not a lot of money. Um, how you choose to spend that money, what you value um, and um, how you, how you're going to go about it, you know, can really determine whether or not um, you're living really great or struggling month to month. Um, it depends on what you want. Uh, people don't realize that me as a, you know, entrepreneur, I live very small and that's by choice because I know how hard it is to do what I do. I've done it for 15 years. The business and, um, taxes in LA, just out of control. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not taxes, believe it or not. It's just it's a lot of regulation and just permitting and fees and uh, various ways they like to extort money. But people don't realize that um, somebody in my position pays little or no tax and I'm not a millionaire or billionaire. So you might ask, yeah. you might ask, why is that? Right. And this is one of the things I would say um, that um, 
if I was to speak about millionaires and billionaires, like they pay a lot in various other ways. They employ a lot of people. Um, but the actual taxation aspect, that's not their fault. And uh, the same goes for when that topic came up about Trump, like, let's see your taxes and various things of that sort. It's silly because he didn't write the tax code. The politicians, who, the politicians who've been there for 30 or 40 years wrote the tax code. Correct. And most of them yeah, own business. Millionaires influence the politicians. Absolutely, they do. But even the politicians own businesses. They take, yeah, it, yeah. They take advantage of the same tax policies that are there. Now they're so, not supposed to. They sign, you know, things where they say that they're not going to. Yeah, but that's bullshit. The I know, but I'm saying bullshit. they even go to the extent of having them sign a contract that says that they won't, you know, and it's just and, like, and how do you think they got the job? Because they know somebody that, you know, got them that, there. That's just how it's it works. crazy. Yeah. That's just how it works. So, like, if we're talking about somebody in the Midwest working a minimum wage job and uh, living in an apartment and that's supposed to be okay, sure. I mean, it's... It's based on what they feel is worth their money and time. I mean, they want a new car. That's going to cost more. They want a better apartment. That's going to cost more. They want to have a family and get a house. That's going to cost more. Minimum wage job isn't going to do it. No. Let's let's look at Los Angeles in, in, in a similar light. You want to do those same things? 45 grand ain't going to cut it. Not even 160 grand will cut it because, you know, just like we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, the higher you go in, um, in like your earned income as an employee with a W-2, the more you get taxed. So at 160K, it may sound really nice here in Los Angeles, but the amount you're getting raped in taxes because you get a W-2 oh, is insane. Crazy. It's insane. insane. And so like, like, you, you, you want fa- yeah, you want a family, <laughs> you know, you want to have kids, you no. want to give your wife nice things, you want a car, you want a house. Forget about it. It's no. it's going to be it's going to be so overpriced, and you're going to be working uh, just insane amount of hours to be able to afford it. And, right. Um, and if we, you know, if we compare it to let's say a, somewhere in the Midwest, uh, middle of the country. So, like, let's just say Salt Lake City, because actually that's a really good example. Is is Utah the Midwest? Uh, I mean, Technically, no, not really. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Somewhere yeah. in the middle. All right. Know, we can do the, what about Colorado? Want to do Colorado? Uh, no, that's that's further. That's more cool though. We shouldn't talk shit about it. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Shit no. no, no, no. We yeah. should leave Colorado. But Colorado's alone. very expensive. Colorado well, states is are cool. Okay. You know, Colorado is <laughs> very expensive. It will continue to rise in costs as more uh, people right. decide to go there. Again, you know, um, supply and demand. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Supply if, and if, demand. So if we're looking at middle of the country and somebody wants to do all those things, well, they have to scale up the amount they earn. Right. To be able to get those things. But at the same time, like what industry is left in the middle of the country for them to be able to do that short of just entrepreneurship and creating your own opportunities to be able to scale up your earned income. You're quite limited if you are in these rural. Like I, I give this example all the time is Omaha, Nebraska. I love talking about this. <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska is a rural part of Nebraska, it's one of the largest uh, places in Nebraska with the largest population, but there really is not not that many job opportunities. Most people out there are contractors, they're farmers or agriculturers, they're miners. There really is no, I mean, unless are there any mining jobs even even now? 
Nah, yeah. that's that. I don't know if it's Omaha, but I know they still do it in uh, Kansas. Well, not because, the same type wow. of not not coal mining. They don't go down there themselves anymore. I don't. No, think. no, they no, no. Everything is okay. We don't know anything about coal mining, but <laughs> we're not talking. <laughs> we're not talking about coal mining. That's, that's my point. But you know, the interesting thing is we're bringing up Los Angeles. I want to give an example: San Francisco, right? If you look at San Francisco about 45, 46 years ago, an average apartment in San Francisco, not downtown, but in pretty decent walking distance, was around $75 to about $115. And an average house back then was around $75,000 to about $110,000. Now, we bumped that up now, 45 years later to today, that number has went up from an average apartment now costing in San Francisco to way up of $4,500 to an average house costing over $2 million. Now, I'm not talking about a house that has three bedrooms. I'm talking about a one-bedroom home. You know why, right? Yes, I do know why. <laughs> Tell me. Elaborate. Why, why do you okay. think that is? Housing crisis I mean, in, the infrastructure, in, the infrastructure, in the infrastructure of San Francisco. The way well, that- I mean, it, the Silicon Valley, it, it's the tech. Yeah, all the tech that's, stuff. Yeah, that's what I would say. Is that all the all the tech billionaires, as they amassed wealth, they also swallowed up all the properties. And as all their employees need somewhere to live, they're like, "Fuck it, all these motherfuckers are making two hundred k, three hundred k. Let's let's bump up the prices of their housing. We can do it. They can afford it." Right. Naturally, yeah, no. that's naturally that's uh, more than likely what ended up happening over a long period of time, not overnight, but yeah. No, I mean, we're talking about over a 45 yeah. year period, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's even though it's only been 45 years, which 45 years is not a lot of time. It's a very high increase. Um, so moving forward, you know, we were kind of going over the financially comf- comfortable, you know, going over the millionaires and billionaires. Let's actually talk about classes that I personally relate with very well is is a lower classes. If you know, if you don't know this already, most Americans in the United States do not make more than fifty thousand dollars. This is a well given. This guy right here, <laughs> right over here, yeah, right over here. I make I make less than you do, David. You wouldn't believe it. I make we'll twenty. I make twenty two thousand dollars a year. Yep. I don't. I told you less. I really. I mean really. Yeah, dude. When I was sick, I made like $8,000 that year. It was really bad. Um, so but- we're actually perfect for this. <laughs> we all fall under this category. Anyone that's yeah. listening, we're actual proof of this. So you're getting the right information. But I think what people, you know, you say, you know, like uh, I wanted to bring this up before we go on. The We were saying, you know, oh, in L.A., you'd have to have one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. You know, like that's that would be a decent. I'm going according to, to comfortable. But I think what people don't realize is that you can easily, without even being over the top, have to spend thirty thousand dollars on just your rent. Yes. Like I did that. You know, I mean, like, I worked two jobs when I was in LA could, for a year. I worked right. two jobs. I worked seven days a week. That's how I survived. So, like, I mean, some people don't even make twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year, and let and you're just your home, like not your groceries, not your utilities, not your car, not nothing. You know, not trying to right. have uh, one beer with a friend. <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. That's like, why yeah, everyone so. uses EBT out here. They have no choice. 
Yeah, I know. The craziest I thing when I came back, no, when I came <laughs> back to New York, you know, I'm originally from New York and I was in a city and I went out with a couple of friends. We went out drinking and I had a few beers and I had a glass of wine and we had a few shots. And my bill was about like, I think it was like $35. And it was in like lower, lower Manhattan. And I was just like, oh my God, this is cheap. Because I remember I used to go out in Los Angeles and I would come out with a bill of like $80 just for like three (laughs) beers and a glass of wine. I know. This is crazy. I'm in New York City, one of the most expensive cities here in the United States. And it's cheaper for me to get fucking drunk off my ass in New York City than it is in Los Angeles. But the thing is, and Mike, you touched on this, it goes according to what has affected the area. You know, we, we know you said this already. San Francisco is affected by Silicon Valley. Los Angeles has been affected by the entrepreneurs, Hollywood, the millionaires, the billionaires, the politicians. And it's kind of raised everything up and they pushed all the hippies and all of us good people that actually yeah, believe in freedom. Yeah, and the restaurants are suffering and the yes. bars that we're even talking about that are overpricing us, they're suffering too. Mm-hmm. Preach, girl. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Approach. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I, I've seen these big companies and the what happens is they're paying one person a whole bunch of money. So then they gotta pay everybody else according to that, you know, and then one person gets a raise, so then they all gotta get a raise. And it's like they had they have rules within them, so they have to pay people as much money as they're paying them. Um, you it know, also I makes think it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. I mean, uh, there will come a day where we get back to, you know, um, the, you know, the way we pay people is based on the merit uh, and the character of the work. I mean, it's, uh, it's great to imagine that minimum wage can continue to increase, but there, you know, conglomerates can afford to do that on some level, but the cost of their services are going to drastically go up uh, across the board small businesses will cease to exist because they cannot employ anybody. So I, merit, uh, yeah, yeah, merit, merit is the most important. Like you work hard, you should get paid more, but everyone getting paid 15 an hour, you know, to be stoned at work and do subpar work. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long that's going to fly. Uh, I mean, I, you know, walk through the, the grocery store today, saw a bunch of teenagers working on, minimum wage giving up their Saturday, Sunday, you know, they're in there working their little asses off because they think that that's, you know, what they should do. And it, you know, and I mean, yeah, but that's, that's what what some people that's unfortunately some people's only options. You know, I've spoken to Mike about this and you know, this, I grew up in a very close community and I had no education. I went to private schools. So you know, I've had to build my own career. I have six years of working in kitchens. I have four years of working in customer service. You know, I'm an artist as well. I've had to be able to gain all these skills. You got to remember, some people don't have these abilities. And the thing is, you can't expect otherwise. Not everybody has the ability to run a business and work 72 hours a week. Some people don't have the ability of going to school and becoming an accountant. They don't have that ability. So no, for some th- people have learning disabilities. Exactly. So they should be able to have an opportunity 
to be able to have a part of this great nation like everybody else. There is a song. I love John Lennon. I'm throwing this out there. One of my favorite people of all time. God bless you. I hope you're doing great in heaven, man. But he had a song that was called Imagine. Everybody's, everybody's heard this song. And I just pulled this up so I can read this over. He says in the song, this is the last part of it. He says, imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. Now, this is metaphorically. I mean, you, this is not practical. You can't actually have this. But if you really look into this and read, you understand that the problem that we face as society, especially when we're dealing with classes here in the United States, is not just about who makes more and who gets less and who does what and who does when. It all comes down to paper, that green, ugly, shitty, disgusting paper that has a hundred written on it and a 50 written on it. It's money. Money is the root to all problems. Money is a great tool, but the problem is we use it as a possession, this way of like, you know, just, just, I need money, 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 money. So I can buy my BMW. Yeah. You know, like just. That's what I was going to say about the, the people that are being paid that much and, you know, Silicon Valley, the tech people that are being paid that much. It, you know, yes, maybe they they're doing a very, very important job that's, you know, changing technology and furthering our, our world, you know, like it is very important. But what is important is what they choose to do with their money. What have they chosen to do? Buy a whole bunch of properties, invest in making Airbnbs and, you know, like just make oh, yeah, more, I lo- more, I love more money. Like, I know, but it's like it's just like, do they? Do they turn around and look down? Do they turn around and look back? Like, I know, I hope that some do, you know, and I'm sure that some do, you know, but I feel like, you know, others, they just start more businesses to make more money and profit and profit and profit and profit. And I do, I think that something should be, you know, someone should draw attention to this greed that is just, I mean, stop just taking so freaking much. And if you're going to take so freaking much, then just, you know, give some like, come on. There's a <laughs> there's a guy on YouTube. I don't know, Mike, if you've heard of him. I don't remember his name. He's uh, been traveling around the world and he's been going to country to country. He made a lot of money. The people? No, no, no. He's uh, I think Drew. Drew. Berinsky or something. I don't remember. He, he's been traveling around the world. You can see him on YouTube and he goes around to each country and he has videos and this guy has, you know, he has a pretty decent amount of money. He's been, he has his own business going on. And whenever he goes to these countries, he tries to focus on the impoverished, you know, the areas that are not as well developed, the areas that are not uh, the so-called upper classes. And he tours around. He talks to the villages, he gets an idea, you get an experience. And when you're done the video, you not only have this idea of the country, but you also see the working people of the country. You know, he 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 ingrains in it. And it's just that's something something similar. I've seen another channel do something very similar. And uh, it's disturbing to see some of these really broken countries. But, yes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've got I've got a few things to say, like some of the things you said, Carissa, are, are very important. Uh, both of you are right on in many respects. Like, yes, there are a lot of people that have 
managed to grow their wealth um, exponentially as you know more opportunities have come their way. Um, and why do they keep expanding? Like it's a lack of education for, let's say, the middle class or or the poor, the lowest of classes of people is that they don't they're not given the tools at, at a early enough stage of their lives to replicate that. So why do the wealthy do what they do? Open up more businesses because you don't want money being stagnant. You know what makes more money? products and services, investments. Yeah. yeah. Why, why don't you want it to go stagnant because of inflation? Because if you understand, if you have the tools and the education that your government is operating in a way that devalues your dollar year after year, you as an individual have the, uh, the obligation to figure out how to grow that. So that's why they get further ahead. They have the education, you know, um, and this is one of the problems, the education factor, but also opportunity. I said that it's not so much who gets less, who gets more, or right. that, you know, people should be on a minimum wage or what that amount should be if they're busting their ass or not. Like, those are all valid points. I, I can't dismiss the fact that there are, there are a lot of young people who will work for the next 10 years at dead end jobs and really not get very far. But the opportunities are what's necessary. Like give them opportunities. You know, if we have a smaller government that gets out of the way of the people, reduces regulation, or at least, you know, eliminate red tape that doesn't need to be there. um, We can see people at least take advantage of these opportunities and continue to grow. And then of course, adding the education factor where YouTube is doing a great job. You have a lot of people spending a lot of time and energy to um, at least on on some level educate the masses on these mechanisms, these tools that are out there. So if you, if you have them and you begin to understand how they work, you can implement them. And then from there you can start looking for opportunities and then scale up what you're doing. It's never going to be easy, but I think um, in the next 20 to 30 years, we will see more young people closer to your age group and younger explore these things because what used to work is not really working for them, has no meaning. They just work endlessly. Even at $15 an hour, it's, it's, it, there's, it's not meaningful to them. Like As inflation will continue to rise, and you guys will see it, mark my words, by the time it is you know, the new year, Shipping container costs will be as high as $30,000 per 20-foot container. That cost gets pushed onto you, the consumer. So 15 an hour sounds great. but it's not enough. When, but when, I mean, it's, it's, it's never meant to be enough. You know, like government intervention isn't going to work, but opportunities in education will. So as those prices increase, and as I hear, you know, China's closing off their ports. I don't know what's going on, but it's going to create a supply shock once again. All in all, you know, there are all these factors that affect the people at the bottom. And we look at the top and say, man, you know, you guys were here at at some point in your lives, right where I'm standing. Like you guys can't even look back and recognize that uh, you were once one of us, but Somewhere in their lives, something changed and they were able to get that education and that opportunity. And t- 
to be able to build from there. That's what most people, sh you know, should be looking towards. Government intervention isn't always the answer. You give them, you know, if you give the government more power to do these types of things, they will utilize it. Yeah. You may not yeah. like, they you may not like, the yeah, but, 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 yeah, but the you thing, may not like the outcome. But the thing is, though, you know, I, I want to touch on this. You said this, especially with China closing up their ports. This is a problem that we've dealt with in this country is we're we've relied so much on external sources to bring in products. This country, we've kind of closed the door away from this great nation. You know, you want to say that, like, well, we can't survive without well, without import. Well, guess what? We survived as a country for over 185 years solely off the land of this nation. OK, off the people that work for this country, people that have American-owned businesses, that have factories, not in goddamn China. They have them here. They're here in the United States hiring American workers to work in this country. We've not, kind of, not many. Not many. But we <laughs> used to have that type of infrastructure. We kind of thrown everything away. Uh, Does everyone know that we're gonna, that um, belongs to Japan? We're going to take... Say that again. Say that again, Chris. 7-Eleven is a Japanese company. Had no They're idea. Every single corner in LA, there's a 7-Eleven. Mm. And it's owned by um, a Japanese... It's a Japanese man. Owns I will share with you guys... I'll share with you guys this little bit of it. information that I was able to get from uh, some some sources... 7-Elevens, gas stations, what they do, the, the corporations, the headquarters, what they'll do is they'll approach families, let's say in India and various parts of uh, that region, and they'll approach wealthy families and say like, hey, you have a ton of land here and we think there might be resources that are useful here. We will give you at no charge one or two franchises in the States and we'll facilitate your transfer there for the rights of this property. Horrible. So, and they go for it. So if you've ever walked into 7-Elevens and you say, and you see, let's say just fully run and operated by um, um, Indians, right? Whether, uh, whichever part of India they may be, you'll wonder like, well, why is it predominantly that or subways or certain gas stations? This is one of the reasons why. Um, just, just a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> not a yeah. scam. Do you, do you not feel like they just like stole those people's land from them and shoved them into a gas station in some crap part of town? Like, could be better than li could be better than living in India on land you can't even cultivate on. But you said that they were wealthy people. I mean, they're wealthy because that land has been passed down generationally to them. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's a form of wealth in some of these countries, but being able to use the land requires a lot more capital and they may not be able to do that. So yeah, that's yeah, an opportunity yeah. for, let's say, that's an opportunity for Chevron. That's an opportunity oh, for Texaco. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not, you know, that's yeah. a, a, uh, it reminds me of how my sister does the, um, the housing market stuff, the way that she gets houses, because my sister flips houses, but the way that she gets houses is that she'll look she's got this like listing or whatever of people who you know they got a house somehow but they haven't been able to pay the taxes on it so what you do is you go to that person 
and you buy them out. You basically pay the taxes off of the house and then now the house is yours or something like that. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that I exists. Mean, it works for yeah. them, you know. Yeah, there's real yeah, estate. It's the same is by, kind of thing. Real estate is by far the most um uh versatile, you know, uh I wanna say market, yeah. the market and um an asset that you can, you know, write deals almost in any way that you you would want to. Um, it's good money. You can, Best you, you can, yeah. yeah, you can word it however way you want. That's why for the last century, real estate has been the biggest money maker, and why um, the wealthy gravitate towards it. Like the last ten years, uh, just corporations, Bill Gates, um, and uber wealthy people have been buying all the agriculture across the nation all the agricultural land, you yeah. got to ask yourself, what is, what is the purpose of that? What do they foresee that they believe they need to own all the land where you can grow food on? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, that's just one form. So you pay the taxes, you own the property. You can, you can do many variations of the same thing in real estate. That's why it's so versatile. Um, and, you know, if, again, it comes down to that education or the understanding of the mechanisms. Like you could do it, Carissa, David could do it. If you had the knowledge and a little bit of money, only thing you would need to do is write up a contract that the, that the seller would be really, um, uh, really engaged with like, yeah, I like this deal. I'll sign. That's it. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah. Uh, guys, yeah, yeah. we're going to get into yeah, guys, we're going to take a quick little break uh, to talk about today's sponsor, which is Anchor. Uh, we'll be back hopefully in a few minutes. All right, guys, we are back for a little bit more, a lot more of Lost in the Groove. Yeah, baby. All right. Who wants to go? Who wants to go? Woo! I don't know why I I'm so I had a really hyper. good break. It was, it was really oh. good and relaxing. I wanted to touch up on, you know, the lower classes once more, specifically relating to like the medical, you know, costs and, and that whole thing is so fucked up in our country right now. And the, the idea that someone in the lower classes, someone who's making less than 50 grand a year, let's say it's a very serious situation. Let's say cancer, one of the worst, right? The answer, you know, the answer for them is a, they pay the very high costs to survive and get the treatment, but then they're broke for the rest of their lives and cannot live or end up homeless. Or what's the other solution? They die. die. Yeah. Yeah. They die. I got really sick. I have no medic, you know, I don't have any medical coverage. I got really sick and I couldn't afford to go to the doctor and I, just stayed home for a week. I could barely work and I had no choice. I have to work because if I don't work, I don't make a living. And it, it hit me really hard because my dad was an immigrant and my dad passed away. And, you know, he always was telling me that I had a great future ahead of me. And here I am, 22 years old. I make less than $20,000 a year. I have to live in a place where I can't pay rent at the moment and I don't even have medical coverage because I can't afford it. And if I get sick, there's nothing I can do. Like I can't even afford to go to a hospital. So, yeah, there's a lot of people really suffering from it. The first thing that comes to mind is I, I, 
I remember when I was in high school, I had a suicide attempt and I got hospitalized. And I remember when I was in there, um, you know, cause they keep you in there for as long as, you know, until you say you don't feel like killing yourself anymore. And so every day that I was in there, um, I remember being told, you know, and knowing that my parents were, you know, having to pay more money every day I was in there and I felt terrible about it. I wow. didn't want them to have to, you know, lose money on that. And I felt guilty about the whole thing, you know, for my parents already anyways. And then, you know, so you can't even think straight. And what you need is just sit there and, you know, get help from people. And, you know, and the country right now, the government wants to act like they care so much about mental health. Like, um, yeah, okay, show me. Show yeah. me that you care. Yeah. yeah, give it to me. Yeah, before right. they pull, they, before they pull off your pants and shove whatever probes they want to put up in your ass. But I yeah. don't know. Part of me thinks they want to know who's mentally unstable. You know, like they just want to, they want just want to know. Yeah, right. just keep you know, keeping like, a record of it. Of yeah, some sort. yeah. They, they want to keep a record of who needs help and who doesn't. You know, I mean, and then find any type of information they can on them. They want to figure out everybody who's doing drugs, everybody who's not. Like I'm doing drugs because like, I'm doing I'm doing weed. Have to report it's worse than everything. heroin. It's worse than heroin. I'm doing weed. I'm doing weed. You know, just Los remember, Angeles. your therapist has to tell people things. You know, right, like, right, it, yeah, their, yeah. <laughs> Even though there's doctor-patient privilege, there's certain things like if if it's suicide or hurting someone else, yourself, or like they have to they have to tell the authorities. But Los Angeles is a great uh, uh, thing to mention up mention about this. It's it's really important to mention LA because. Over the past few decades, as we continue to close down um, uh, like asylums where uh, the mentally unstable uh, were being held, where where do you think they're ending up? They're ending up on our streets. Um, We've heard it in other podcasts, many people who have talked about it, like, oh, man, we have so many homeless here. Why? Uh, Well, hey, most of them are mentally unstable and they need help. Well, where the fuck did they come from? You know, did they not have families? Were they not yeah. getting some sort of help? So it comes down to what funding they're closing down the asylums because there's no funding. Where did the money go? Well, like, I mean, there's all the veterans, you know, and you you give everything to the country. You go over there and you end up getting, you know, a lot of like mental anguish from the whole situation. You come back here with all kinds of differences in yourself and, you know, then a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people that are homeless, you know, fought for our country. And I, you know, I'll go into education with that one. I've heard a lot of stories recently about people joining, you know, different armies, air forces, navies, different things like that, just so that they can go to college, you know, and like, and it's like, do you not think that, like, that could be somewhat intentional, you know, like, we are making education so expensive that people are joining, you know, the army just to pay for their education. You join the army, they own you, right? You know, you sign a contract and they own you. That's right. Yeah. So, and you can't leave unless they uh, strip you of honors and then you can't get a, what's that company afterwards? We get um, good insurance and good home, home. USAA. 
yeah. USAA. No, I don't have any problem with the military <laughs> or the army or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I just don't no. like people being taken advantage of. And it's most certainly that, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, like you said, could it be intentional with education being so costly? Like it, it takes me, it takes me back to something I heard um, when back in the fifties, you know, uh, big bankers were sitting around thinking about like, Hey, you know, how do we make money? Well, look, guys, we have a great law that was created by the, uh, the Federal Reserve called fractional reserve banking. You know, we make money when we loan out money. How like what can we sell the public for us to be able to loan out more money at high interest? Well, they came up, you know, well, we need a product in between. What's that product? Well, let's sell them the American dream. That's one. Right. Like, uh, for example, everyone should own a home. Suburbs, home, which was home, which was started home. to build in 1949. Everyone should own a car, and then it became two cars, you know, per per household. Most well, people third? used to build their houses, you know. I <laughs> yeah. mean, my my grandpa built their house. You know, and my great grandpa built their house. You know, what's like, great about his his time period? <laughs> you know, what's great about his time period, Carissa, is that back then there was less regulation less yeah, red right? tape for him to be able to do so no one was telling him like no 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 you need permits to do this sir i don't know what it was like yeah you tell yeah. <coughs> you tell that Sorry, to, I interrupted you. <laughs> you you tell that to your grandpa back then he'd be like where's my shotgun yeah where's oh, my man. shotgun <laughs> yeah man he he was a pioneer dude yeah i got a lot of stories about him but yeah and you know i read a lot of his stories and different things like that and the way that they used to make money uh, before they started going to school and stuff is they trade you know i mean that's another thing is people would just trade stuff i've got a bunch of this you know you've got a bunch of that like we'll just switch that out or he said you know he was working at this one job and he had a whole bunch of molasses so he brought it to the job and just sold everybody their molasses you know and he made it extra money for the holiday or whatever you know so it's just like sometimes you have to think like what do i have an abundance of and then sell that, you know, or right. what do I have access to? And so, right. That, but, right. So, sometimes yeah, it's sorry. not a thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a thing. It's a skill. I don't have anything. Yeah. Right. Like both of you being artists, sometimes it's not a thing you can sell, but it could be a skill. Yeah. But, yeah. You have to be there when you're, when it's a skill, you, you know, the, uh, one of the best ways to make money is to, to have something that makes you money where you don't have to be present. Like, yeah, you, you guys can have money being made when you're not there. You know, mm-hmm. what sucks is yeah, yeah. Those are the tools that I mentioned earlier. The education that's needed for for the next generation. You know, you get your hands on that education, those tools. You have money work harder than you'll ever work, and it, you'll live in abundance. It takes time, uh, but you you have to have the willingness to seek out that uh, that knowledge. No one's going to give it to you. But think, um, you think about what we're doing. Do. Think about what we're doing right now. Both of you as artists should consider NFTs. I don't know if you've looked into NFTs, but as artists, you can, you know, you can make a percentage on any of your art that's resold, you know, especially if you go viral. That's one way to make passive income. But for another story, all right, that's something else. You know, the third product, you know, the third product that bankers came up with? What? College. Everyone should get a college degree. Even if there's no jobs for them after they get out, (laughs) which there isn't any, but yeah, that's a story for another time. (laughs) So that, you know, 
all of these things are, are just the, the constructs of very powerful people trying to make money on the lower classes. And our, overlord, um, our overlords bless them. <laughs> uh, the war on fuckery. I, I don't I don't bring this up very often because it really does. It gets me very furious. So there's this idea of control, right? Where we're constantly, whether we are aware of this or we don't realize of this, we are constantly controlled. Because very simply, like uh, Mike pointed out, if you wanted to build your own house, yeah, you got to get permits. And if the government decides to knock on your door and take your home, well, there's nothing you can do. You're going to have to leave because they're the government. And there's a law that basically states that they have the right to take your land. Um, I know I know someone that literally had that problem, but go on. I mean, these things also protect you, though. I mean, it is a good thing that everybody can't do not get me started with protection. Do not get me. I will say, you know, I mean, I feel kind of glad that nobody can just show up and just build whatever the fuck they want, wherever they want. You know, I am saying like it's there for a reason, but it does suck in certain ways. And I hate everything being so censored in a way. Sorry. So. Going on with this, someone that needs a break, okay, it makes plan f- plans for a holiday. For all you Americans, holiday means vacation. You know, for themselves or for the family or they want to be a part of something. Now, let's say this person is a hard worker, okay, and he makes $30,000 a, $30, a year, okay? Makes not a lot of money, but it's a pre- pretty decent amount. Now, this person would have to work really hard to be able to afford a life, a nice vacation that would be, let's just say, you know, we're talking about air travel or by train or something like this. You know, in a way, you know, you're kind of restricted and limited because of, I gave this example as before, because of where you lived. And again, I'm going to bring this up. You can't expect somebody to live in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, which to be honest, who the fuck wants to live in Omaha, Nebraska? Okay, people who were born there. I'm just, I do. I... <laughs> I'll take it. You want to go live in Omaha, Nebraska? Oh, God. Have you ever been there? No. Uh, I don't need, I don't I... Need... Have you? Yeah, no. quite a bit. Yeah. You've been what to Omaha, think? Nebraska? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A is lot. It, yeah, I've been to Omaha, Nebraska my whole life. Is, is it nice? Um, yeah, they got this school there called Creighton. It's like a big university or whatever. It's really pretty. And downtown Omaha, Nebraska is kind of cool. It's small, but it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, they get hit real hard in the wintertime with snow and blizzards and all kinds of shit. So, like, I mean, it's just... You know, it's it's not like the most lively town, but, you know, one of the most beautiful things is that Omaha Zoo. I've told you about that. The Omaha Zoo is just absolutely gorgeous. Is that Louie? (laughs) Yeah, that's a dog. You better be quiet. I'm recording. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody, if anybody doesn't know, uh, Carissa has an adorable pug. He's uh, he's black with a little with a little bow tie, little white, little triangle. 
And um, his name is Louie. And uh, he barks Louis. all over the place. Uh, having the time of his life because he's with grandma and grandpa right now. Mm, yeah. Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, I've been there quite a bit. It's, um, you know, I mean, the other thing is like, it's just, I mean, everybody there is Catholic. Just gonna no, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm Ju- I'm Jewish. Like, I don't know how much everybody is really. I, I don't know how good they would feel with gefilte fish and matzo ball soup and and uh, you know, kiddish and Shabbos. You know, like the Sabbath. I don't know how Catholics feel about that. You know, they might think I'm using their their children's blood to make my no. matzos for Passover. Nah. No, 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 no. I, I, Christians really like Jewish people. No, no, I'm talking about Catholics. There's a thing with Catholics. I, I ran into Catholics this Catholics pro- are Christians. I understand that, but uh, Catholics are a certain sect of Christianity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, there is this myth that goes around. I don't know where it starts. Not everybody believes in this, but it's weird. I've run into this problem I had when I was in Israel. I ran into a bunch of Christians while I was on a bar. At, at a bar, not on a bar. That'd be actually kind of cool to be on a bar. Uh, but I was, bar? At, I was at a bar and I met a bunch of these Catholics and I said I was Jewish. And I'm serious. The first question they asked was, is it true that Jews use the blood of Christian children to make their matzahs on Passover? And I'm, I'm like, and I answered, I'm like, it's just as true as Jews have horns. And she's like, oh, really? And I'm like, that's do murder. I, do I have horns? Do I have horns? I do not have horns. That's I hope so that answers weird. your question. Hmm? No, they never told us anything bad about Jewish people. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, like, I, as far as my own experience, it's a thing that sometimes can be taught within that environment. But again, I don't really know. I'm not blaming anyone. But anyway, <laughs> that, that, that sounds like. But that sounds like just, you know, propaganda of sorts. I mean, if you guys were following what's going on in the Middle East, you know, Armenia and Azerbaijan, like it's uh, it's the very same thing. The Azeris are teaching their kids that, you know, the Armenians are savages. They're this, they're that just horrible things that are untrue. But the children grow up, they, they grow up to believe it and make them their sole enemy for life, you know, perpetuating this uh, this idea and this hatred for generations to come. So like what you're describing of uh, what you experienced in that bar, though it's ignorant, um, it was a bar. They're probably drunk, you know, and trying to fuck with you. Dave, I was but... taught to, uh, to like, to like people that are not like me. Like I was like actually like taught to like go out of my way to like actually try to make friends with people that, aren't you know like my same ethnicity or my that's same good. religion that's positive. or different things like that so, yeah. it sounds like you had great parents yeah i don't know i just remember kind of growing up like that i remember watching it kind of in movies and stuff like that you know where it'd be like because i would see it in the movies where like you know like the white kid would get separated from the other kid and the, oh you tore me away from my friend and the parents would tear him apart you can't hang out with each other or whatever and i was like I'm not letting anybody do that to me. I'm gonna hang out with whoever I want. Like that's, you know, that sounds so like a, that sounds like a classism problem right there. It fits right right yeah. in with the the whole class issue that we're talking about, right? Like that, you know, depending on what class you are in, you're limited. 
just like I, what uh, David was talking but about. But there's another there's another layer to this. We've spoken about this. My dad was an immigrant here. And me and Mike, we kind of have a, a similar situation with immigration. And it's where my dad was always secluded out of certain classes. You know, I grew up in a very uh, white majority area. And unfortunately, the area that I grew up in was because it was a, a, a closed private community. It was generally quite this type of segregation where, you know, there was the white and there was everybody else. Um, and my dad kind of gotten that treatment for all the time that he lived here. So even though my dad was a hard worker, he did plumbing for over 25 years, did contracting for over 36 years. My dad had a lot of experience in what he did. He was a lot of times ridiculized and put down because he was put into that category. So you're right. You know, there is that problem with classes, but there's also that other layer of, of problem with classes of where there are classes that cannot fit in with other classes. You know, like the... the Yeah, you get separated. Just life separates you. You which, know, like... You which does not make any and sense. Your friend can't, and your friend can afford something and you can't, you know, and it just... You, life just separates you. We're not talking you know? about people that I'm are making more. Okay. We're not talking about people that are making more money. I'm talking about people that make the exact same amount of money, but they're not the same class. Because yeah, maybe it's not about money. Maybe just life in general, aside from money. Class you. doesn't have to. So class doesn't have anything to do with money. Class has to do with your class of where you were situated, how you're living. That is how a person is depicted by their class. Now you can put an um, um, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. you could put a number in front of it and say, "Well, thirty thousand, uh, you know, ten thousand, thirty thousand means this type of class, and thirty-five thousand and forty-five. That's true, but that's not the only thing that that makes a person a class. There's minority oh. classes. There's majority yeah, classes. Yeah. There's society classes. There's cultural classes. The list." goes on and on and on. Yeah, but someone is still <coughs> always going to fall into one of those classes. Correct. But Correct. actually two at the same time. You right, know? one or more. Yeah, Correct. naturally. Correct. Yeah, <coughs> I mean, that, that's, uh, that has, you know, one thing you don't have control over, that's the, the financial one and maybe the, uh, the, the cultural one. And some, some of the other aspects, sometimes those are just choices on where an individual might lean towards more. Um, one or two of those that I mentioned are oftentimes like from the parents, like where they've guided you to, just like you were mentioning earlier, right? Like, oh, I won't let my kid hang out with this kid. You're not allowed to spend time with him. You know why? Uh, That could be a cultural difference. That could be um, something, you know, more so racial. That could be uh, a number of different things. Yeah, I mean, people do it just when they think, you know, a kid is, you know, dangerous in general, it, yeah, regardless yeah, of their bad race influence. or anything, you know, bad right. influence. The worst, yeah. the worst thing, though, is like, especially talking now about parents, is this thing with politicians. There's a certain group of politicians, we all know what they are. They're the ones that usually are making the laws for, you know, the the lower classes because uh, them in their um, Dior suits and their $3,000 Louis Vuitton shoes with their $650 haircut and their $285 makeup that they've gotten done on their face that makes them look like a goddamn pig. 
that's been painted. Uh, and they get up on podiums like a bunch of paceless, ugly, disgusting statues. And they speak to us like they understand us. Yeah, honey, you have a Lamborghini. You have a Bugatti in your goddamn driveway. You live in a mansion that's by the beach in Malibu. You know where I live? I live in a goddamn basement in my parents' home. So don't you talk to me about you understand my class and you want to pass your goddamn laws on me. I hate this. I see this all the time. They stand up there like, we need to help the homeless in Los Angeles. You know what, fucker? Go back to your Bugatti and your home, sit on your goddamn ass and shut the hell up because nobody wants to hear you, including me. It's ridiculous. You're Who the hell are these right. people? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that in the sense that, uh, you know, they don't understand us in any way. I mean, do they send their kids to public schools? No. No. Do, no, they, live in the, right. do, do they live in the same neighborhoods we live in? No. No. They live in private communities oftentimes far, far away from their constituents. Uh, but they want to act as if they truly understand us or our needs or our struggles. I mean, could there be some point in history where their families may have understood this? Sure. But they have so far detached at present time because of you know, uh, where they are now. Uh, how could they really understand or even delegate or legislate anything on our behalf? Um, it's um, it's unjust. It's it's just wrong. But these are the people that we elect. I mean, you know how how I didn't many elect times? For them. I did, not elect, I I did not elect for, for any that. of these people. But, you know, I mean, I mean, would they let their kids hang out with my future kids? You know, I mean, would, they, would they be cool with that? You no, wish. I'm just saying. Or would they think they're a bad influence? Would they think they're, you know, too? They would not. Or, they, you know, no. like, you know, no, they, they would not. not. No, but but right? that, no, that they goes don't want to their that. kids hanging out with mine. But that would go <laughs> to the point that was mentioned earlier that, you know, there's a good chance that these people in power would most certainly govern their children and nurture them to become heads of state of the future, only hanging out with uh, other, you know, powerful people's children uh, and creating deeper nepotism in order to gain those positions of the future. So that could be, you know, for, for the court systems, that could be, you know, um, government positions, long-term um heads of corporations, so on and so forth. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I touched up on the beginning. There's no way. They, they make sure their kids are raised a certain way and they stay right. away from a certain demographic of kids um, to ensure that they're being raised yeah. in a manner that would position themselves for the future. Um, and that's just, yeah. that's just the I've way it is. I've never seen anything like it. The worst yeah. thing, though, is... The advocates. Now, there's another part of this. These politicians hire advocates from different groups. Here's the thing. Okay. And I like doing research and I've done this. Really look at these advocates. Look what the organizations, who they are. 99.9% of the time, they're collecting donations. They're just a bunch right. of rich fuckers that don't give a goddamn about, who, about you. But they know if they use nice fancy words and a beautiful little font on their gorgeous website with their totally photoshopped <laughs> image, even though they weigh 3,000 pounds, 
they will totally get your vote and they will support you <laughs> and cry with you and hold you and tell you, I love you. And I can't wait until you drop dead because the next person's <laughs> going to give me another thousand dollars. Love those people. Oh. It, yeah, it's pretty brilliant the way they do things in Ooh. general. Oh, yeah. Um, whether it's the advocates or whether it's politicians, I mean, look at the way they write bills. You know, these bills are sometimes hundreds of pages and buried inside are things that are not favorable to the average person. But they're buried. Yeah, they're buried for a reason. Yeah. When you go to vote in L.A., they have like a website, you know, it's not made by the voters, but it's like we all in L.A. have made like websites and like cheat codes like things that like codes that let us know what it is that we're actually voting for because i've seen them yeah because what it says is so much wordplay that they could actually trick you into voting the opposite way than what yep. you actually believe correct so you have to go on this like website thing and like read you know um what what is it that they're actually going to change uh, and 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 the wording is completely the opposite and you're like you motherfuckers yeah it's, like it, it's question yeah it's it's like we're i don't know i ever had like a friend or colleague bring up this following this following question now, i've i've had this who did you vote for in the 2020 election like this is the number one question i was asked last year and some will polite to ask people. Correct, but not anymore. Today <laughs> we live in a Soviet regime where it's normal to talk about these things because God bless uh, the United yeah. States of America. Anyway, um, and some will say, you know, I voted for Donald J. Trump and others might answer and say I voted for Joe Biden. And people like me, I didn't vote for anybody. So. What like honestly like what the fuck does the the election have to do with the equality of classes in the United States? Now there is a simple answer, and there's a more com- complex answer. And if anybody knows me, I like complex answers because I'm complex like a broken egg. Uh, and now this problem started with a little something called fluff. Everybody, Ooh. fluff. Yeah, I envision kind of like, well, I have a really big fluffy pillow. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. But I kind of envision like a cloud just kind of like. Yeah, I mean. You know, but it's actually kind of more like frosting. Like it's like they just kind of. You mean I like s- marshmallow? You mean like marshmallow <laughs> fluff? Yeah. Well, it, it's like to pretty something up, you know? Yeah. Like, so you put icing right. on there. It's like an extra pretty. picture. It's like an extra yeah. idea. It's kind of to make it more. Like lace. Exactly. It's. But, um, yeah. But you know, but you know, it's. Uh, it's really amazing the language we have it's uh you know yeah. you, you call it fluff and that's a great way to put it you know language or communication these words there we have one form and it's for communication we use these words to communicate but the way they use it is for op- uh, obfuscation and they use Correct. it so well yes uh, and, and, they, and they've been doing it for so long um it, it's uh it's almost become the the norm in the sense that uh, everyone knows this is happening. They just don't want to face really. It. Yeah, they don't want to face it. They don't want to speak up. Uh, in fact, in this day and age, you're seeing that um, there's so much fluff in the media is totally behind it. Um, 
intelligent people like you, Dave, like you, Carissa, um, may want to speak up, but you see what's happening to those that do. We could get censored for this, and we know this. Well, the media but, is so thirsty, man. Like tech companies but, too; they're yeah, so they fucking guilty. Keep, but the thing well, is that no, if we thirsty, they just keep trying, they try <laughs> anything to get people to watch. You know. But, but the thing is that we have people like us, where we're speaking the truth, and I'm gonna say this again: we know that we can get censored for this. I know that one of these days I can check anchor.com and find out my account's been deactivated. I know that that's a chance, but here's the thing is I don't want to die knowing I did absolutely nothing. I don't because you that's don't the know anything after you're dead though. I, I understand that. But my point is, is that I'm alive now. I might as well give my all as much as I can. Um, now, to be able to have this this type of like control and this type of being able to have this type of capacity, this power has two titles, like a children's coloring book. The first, ah, oh my god, I'm losing my strain of thought. The first is a donkey. I don't know why. Anyway, okay. Uh, the other is an elephant. The United States. Yeah, we're not in. Africa and we're not in India. Elef- okay, all right. Or more commonly well, known as why, yeah, or more commonly known as the White Supreme Dynasty, the royal fuckery, um, or more known as the Republicans. And let us not forget the Soviet regime of terrorism and mass corruption. Ugh. It's the Democrats. Oh my god, this is so exciting. I feel like I'm watching a television show. these powers have made many puppets out of many americans and they've created this division and they have put a leash on the classes that they know that they can have the most control at all at all times and they have a party that will support them and make them and take care of them and like a bunch of sick fucking animals just you know, nurture and cuddle them, which is the fluff. It's a big fucking ball of bullshit. That's their way of making promises so they can get your money and keep repeating the same story over and over again. And this loop and mind control that will not stop until enough people break their chains like we're doing right now. I know what the truth is. I understand what the problem is. And I'm trying to do what I can to try to fix this, which is very simply having a bunch of actual normal people that are not brainwashed actually talking about this, not caring what the consequences are, and actually allowing people to hear for once in their goddamn life some goddamn truth instead of CNN and Fox News, something real, something actual. What's actually happening to this country? Yeah, I'd like to. Why do I feel afraid to voice my opinion? Where the hell did that come be. from? Did it? Yeah. Did I feel that way when I was younger? No, I didn't feel that way. Like maybe even ten years ago, but now, now I feel like maybe I shouldn't say the things that come to my mind. You know, and that. Why do I feel afraid to voice my opinion? 
what is that that's scary that's very yeah it's scary and i noticed that it's different and i noticed that it's what i used to hear about what life was like to live in other places in other places people don't have the freedoms that you have Trotsky, you know, then, you, yes. you get to, you, yeah you you get i don't know the whole i don't know the whole soviet, soviet you have anthem. freedom of speech you know and then later on i start kind of feeling like do i you know, and I know that, yeah, I probably, I know, you know, be grateful for what you've got and everything, but I don't know. I just, why do I feel afraid? Right. You know, right now we have some form of free freedom of speech, but uh, uh, as that, as that Liberty gets taken away slowly, the next question will become, well, are we going to be stripped of freedom of thought as well? And that's, that's um, even scarier. Like, to to have a thought and to realize like I sh- I shouldn't be thinking this because I might speak it out loud and that'll get me into trouble. Um, it's just a very slippery slope. Uh, we, we're definitely seeing elements of what China has been um, implementing in their country slowly creeping here, um, and um, it's the early stages. You give it another twenty thirty years if things don't change, we're we're going to be, you know, on a very, uh, very similar course, like the social credit system that exists there. We have forms of that here. And if we don't speak up, if we don't ask that uh, these things be changed or be remedied, it will become the norm and everyone will just keep their mouths fucking shut all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people may view of what we're doing as like, ah, like this is going to happen in 20, 30 years. But here's the thing. People 20, 30 years in the future are going to look back to what we did now. And they're going to be like, why didn't we listen? Why didn't we do something when we had the chance? And, you know, I spoke about John Lennon, John Lennon was an incredible man. He was an asshole and a piece of shit, but he's an incredible man. He died because he spoke the truth. He was killed by the United States government because he spoke the truth. But here's the thing. Even though he's been dead for over, been dead for 40 years, when he started, we're still continuing. Because he knew what was going to happen and he prepared for it. And he gave us the tools to continue what he started. That's the thing is, is that we can start something. doesn't mean that we can finish it, but we can start. So at least moving forward, they have where to continue and where to start or even where to begin. We're giving them those tools, whether we see it or not. God, I sound like a Pope. Yeah, I mean, what do you think is the... I mean, other than, you know, just speaking up, I mean, what do you think is like the best way to start? You know, it's like, you need like an example. Get involved. With, you know, I mean, like whatever makes you kid just like sitting in your freaking basement. Well, I mean, you speak about kids, maybe get involved with that. See, for example, there's in the area in Los Angeles where you are, there may be government program, not government programs. I'm sorry. Please say, forgive me. (laughs) Uh, maybe there's local programs that are for kids that are looking for volunteers. 
you can help out there. That's actually helping the community. I mean, do with the government or anything like that. You're just helping out a bunch of kids, a bunch of parents that just need help. There are things. You know, this is my way of advocating. My way of advocating is, well, first of all, having the coolest smoke, smoke shop guy ever and creating a really cool podcast. We all find what we can we can do. You know, I'm more than just a smoke shop guy, you know. I know. I know. All right. I'm just tell, saying. Tell me. What, how, how so? I'm just getting to know you, Mike. Well, I, well, I, I, I mean, I could start. I mean. The reason why I say this is Mike has to be one of the coolest people I ever met because I never met somebody that was so knowledgeable on so many different industries. And sometimes the most difficult thing for me is, especially when you're dealing with CBD or cannabis or smoke products, Mike is more than to me than a smoke shop guy. I just give, I just like adding it in, but the thing that really like the really thing that was really incredible to me was not the fact that he was so knowledgeable, but was how caring he was. I never met somebody that when you buy products from, not only is there the sense of like you're getting products, but you also know where you're getting them from. I trust Mike a hundred percent. That's the toughest thing that I do is I, uh, is that I give a piece of myself to every single person that someday I may not have anything to give. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, dude. My favorite story is the rainbow fish. That's what happened to rainbow fish. He gave away all of his scales. Mm, I know. And, and, and what happened? I can't remember, man. Oh, <laughs> <Poor fish. laughs> my headphones are falling out. I'm sorry. No, That's I'll have right. to read it again. But I, I think I don't know. I think things turned out good for the rainbow fish. We should hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm stoning. <laughs> um, Mike, do you? I mean, we're coming kind of we're coming kind of towards the end of the uh, the podcast. Mike, do you kind of want to continue on? Specifically about the fallen, not the fallen angels of darkness, because God bless them, but I'm just the the regular, the fallen. Yeah, why not? Well, I mean, you know, the the superpower that that we are or were. The the American political parties, the media that's controlled by them, I mean, the 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 entire fuckery, the, our Soviet government, as you like to put it. Yes. You know, has, has tried to make us the, the minorities, which I believe we are actually the majority and they're the minority, but right. But for whatever, for context wise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, to make the minorities like um, the various communities, Hispanic, black, um, Asian, making them pick sides and in this way, it gives them the most control over them uh, and over their decisions, whether or not they succeed, um, how they tell their story. It's, um, it's just what we have observed for so long now and how we can put them on a pedestal while the government is putting a flame at their feet 
you know, most of us really don't buy into this. That's why we have these conversations. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, like majority of the people, they see what's happening. They don't, you know, they, they just don't want to speak up. Like people are busy with their lives and they see yeah. the shit show that's happening. And for them, it's like, fuck, you know, I'm one person. Yeah. How much, how much change can I, um, uh, can I bring to the table? You know, can my one voice really uh, make an impact? But you see, this is the problem in, in this country. And it's not just about classes. You, there's many forms of it, as you mentioned, Dave. Um, it's, a, it's a symbol, a, a type of symbol of control uh, from, uh, from the prosperous. And the less control they, they need, um, because to them, you know, like, why? Well, why should they even bother when the lower classes supposedly need to be cared for, like, sick lab rats um like an experiment yeah you know like the experiment that we are we're the guinea pigs hence it's not about who gets less or who gets more it's you know it's about who will be brain fucked more who will be the guinea pigs um and at you know at the end of the day we know that we are the guinea pigs we're aware of it we know who has the control but you know the the system is like falling apart at, at its at, at the seams we're we're watching it uh as it's occurring uh it's uh sometimes kind of scary as like we talked about um there there are really awesome youtubers out there that travel the world and they they're going to countries that are falling apart because of bad policy poor or lack of leadership and you know, I look at, you know, the people in those countries and I say, are we on that course? I mean, what do you think? Could that be possible? You've watched the same content as I'm like describing here, Dave. Yes, it will happen. You think so? Yes. hundred percent. And I still stand by and I still stand by this. I believe that Joe, Joe Biden will be the last president of the United States. I mean, that, you know, I mean, it's my opinion. You can, I hate to say it. I mean, you can dream, you know, I mean, dream away. Um, <laughs> what yeah, do you get? I mean, you, I'm just what trying you? to say, <laughs> like, you're dealing with a pretty powerful, like, you know, I mean, like, okay, like, yeah this is a pretty powerful country like yeah, you but know, look at I the mean, pen, look at the pandemic they got their shit pretty organized they know what they're right doing but, and... but look at the pandemic <laughs> look how the united states government handled the pandemic and look how the people responded you don't really know how they handled it because you don't really know what the hell actually happened because nobody actually knows what the hell actually happened you kind of have an idea of what's uh, going on but you know what carissa you said it right there you know, it's kind of what goes both ways. You say they got their shit together and then you're saying, well, they probably don't even know what really happened. Can it be both? You think they don't know what happened? I don't I know. Mean, do, you, do you think they know what happened? Yes, I do. I mean, I, I kind of think they know what happened 
Yeah, I do. But they're not. They, but they're not going to tell us, right? That's what I think. I think that they know what happened. They're not going to tell us. I mean, they made it, but yeah, that's the story for another time. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I I don't know. Nobody knows, and that's a. I got into an argument the other day with somebody. They're telling me I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I was like, "They're like, give me your source," and I was like, "I don't have a source, dude." <laughs> and I was prick. like. Yeah, I'm like, you don't have a source, too. You also <laughs> don't know what happened. You don't know. Like, you uh, know, yeah. we both don't fucking know. Like, don't give me so much shit for saying that we don't know because you don't and, know. And, and, and what's wrong with questioning the narrative? Like, it's not it's not wrong of you to to question. Oh my like, God. I get so know. much shit for questioning. <laughs> so much shit for not agreeing so not much here, shit not for here. not just taking everything for the first word you know like i'm just like that's yes, what this country okay. is founded yeah. on is question fucking everything not because faith. you're a conspiracy theorist because there are powerful people out there you know our congressmen are one of them and they are in pockets of people and they've got people in their pockets and money talks and there are interests most definitely Will you or I or Dave or much of the country ever or the world ever really know what happened? Probably yeah. not. But, you know, the, we we are just disintegrating as a, a, a like the fabric of society and what kind of makes up this country or what made it great. It's uh, slowly deteriorating. And um, as the lab rats being experimented on, um, you know, uh, we only have so much lifespan once once we expire you know who's going to tell these stories like the next generation will will forget much yeah. like the generation now that's beginning to pass away their stories are going to be gone and no one will ever hear them again don't you have questions and, for your grandparents like don't when you think about some of these things don't you want to ask them you i know? ask like, my grandparents oh all my the time like, i ask what? my grandparents all the time my grandfather yeah i don't have any <clears throat> my grandfather he grew up he grew up in new york he was raised in brooklyn and during the depression my uh, my grandfather was a kid during the depression and he said that they were here upstate new york where i grew up in rockland county and because no one was making money, he said that they literally had U.S. Navy trucks that would come in with supplies of food and people would sit on lines yeah. and they had tables and they would give out food so people could eat. She's in a can. She's in a can. But um, this is almost my grandfather's in 88. I mean, this is over 70 years ago. You know, I only know this because of my grandfather. Most people don't really know any of this because my grandfather's generation, a lot of them, they're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how long he's going to be living, but Mike's right. Once my grandparents pass away, that generation's gone. Once my mom passes away, my mom was a baby boomer. That's that's gone, too. Mm -hmm. And then it's just me, the millennial that's moving on with the next generation. And you only know what you know and what you've been told. Like, we can only hope to get, you know, FOIA releases in the future. Let's say 30 years down the road, you know, we get a FOIA release that tells us what happened. But we're not going to find out anytime soon. And no one's going to really talk. It's um, there's always going to be conspiracy around it. But I uh, I would agree that on some level, yes, 
the powers that be are organized, but we shouldn't give them too much credit. They're, uh, they're, they're not as, uh, as organized as they may appear. They, uh, they just have, yeah. they just have, they just have the powers like the media to shift narratives, to push stories, to shove whatever in our faces. If they do it enough times, you believe it. And that's, that's something that's been proven from the past. That's how. They do have quite a strong defense. You know, I mean, for me, what I'm afraid of is violence. <laughs> I don't like which is a real, know? which is, right? which is a real and problem. Yes. So when I say, you know, like quite organized, I will say quite organized as far as murdering people, other people, countries, you know, and if they needed to, you know, they would defend the United States, right? Against anyone, even their own people, right? We hope, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, you can try, they'll kill you. <laughs> like, doesn't matter. I don't know. I mean, like, doesn't, but- ma- doesn't matter. Because I said this before John Lennon was murdered by the US government, and there is proof of this. There was a researcher that w- did very heavily on, on Chapman. They found out that he was clinically not mentally well, he wasn't mentally fit. And we know this because the CIA used to have a tactic when they wanted to assassinate people, not get caught. They used to use mentally ill patients and they used to be able to do that. And then they were able to throw them into prison and not really get their hands dirty that much. But here's the thing. The man's been dead. Collecting up a list of mentally ill people. Right. (laughs) but, But the man has been dead since 1980. Today. A lot of his teachings, a lot of his music, a lot of what he's done has been continued, even though the government has tried to eradicate and get rid of him completely, but they weren't able to. So, I mean, the list continues, like Operation Paperclip was released by a veteran CIA agent, and he died a year after the papers were released. But we still know what happened after the war. You know, it doesn't matter if they're going to threaten to kill you. Here's the reality is if you start something. Somebody's going to find it and somebody's going to release it. And then more people are going to follow along with it. That's just the reality of our society and how America is. I think when I when I got pretty afraid was when I watched that thing on Waco, Texas, with all those people and the they had like their own little like religious compound inside of that. Um, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, yeah, now I got it. Okay. The, the Waco, Texas thing with all those people kind of in their religious cult or whatever, and they just blew them all up, <laughs> like more or less. Like, yeah. no, I mean, like that, you know, and I mean, that could have just been like that police force in that town. I don't really know. I didn't do a whole lot of research, but when I watched that TV show, I became really afraid. Like, I was like, ooh, like they'll just come in with the tank and just roll over you like you know and just pry you out of your place and like you know put you in jail and you're done yeah you know and like i just it's scary it, it should be scary i mean we've heard the same stories about uh minority groups over decades right what happened to the african-american community like with kamala harris let's say in uh you know, when uh, she was, I think, uh, DA in San Francisco or wherever it may have been. I mean, they just, you know, they would just prosecute people, put them in jail for things that uh, they may or may not have done. And it sticks it, like the charges stick, even if there isn't 
evidence or a lack of evidence, um, they can do that. They're, they're powerful in that sense. Um, that's, those are definitely things to be afraid of. Like if we're talking about, let's say real tangible cases that we can hang our hat on and say they have done these things like, yeah, they certainly have. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me think like, Oh, there's a little bit of organization here. And I, you know, I, on the other hand, am not a person to like, you know, jump right in and try and fight something like that. I also still, yeah, I also, I still have a lot of respect for the United States of America. Like, I love this place. I love the people of this country. I love the United States of America. Can't stand the government. I have a lot of respect for it. I know it's history. And, you know, I mean, like, I'm not bashing on this place. I know that I, I have a lot that other people don't. And I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I mean, we're not that way. We're you know? not. Um, again, you know, we've discussed this. I love this country. I mean, I know Mike loves this country, too. I'm very proud of being an American. But the problem is it's not it's not the United States. It's the government and this superpower that controls and situates over this great nation. Uh, that's the issue. And this is, yeah. this is the reason why we speak up. We, mm-hmm. we love this country. You yeah. Know, our, our, you know, our parents came here without knowing much of the culture of what this, you know, they've only heard stories, didn't know the language. They just came, you know, um, but we grew up here. This is this is our country as much as it is anyone else's. We love we love America. I love to be able to flush my toilet and have running water. And trust me, oh, a lot yeah. of places around the world don't have that. That's that's an incredible luxury. But in order to, to protect the liberties, the freedoms, the, you know, the infrastructure that that has been built on the backs of, you know, many people, particularly minorities. Um, it's uh, yeah. it, it's not to say that it comes out of hatred um, for, you know, f- for the things that uh, have built this country in a sense. But, um, you know, if we stay silent, like what what purpose are we really serving? Are we. Are we doing justice to the people before us and for the people that are coming after us? Um, it's uh, it, it is it comes from a place of love that we like Dave and I share that sentiment that, you know, this is why we speak on topics like this is it's, it comes from a place of love. We want to preserve these things. It's not you know, I wouldn't say that I'm a full conservative in in some regards like. I don't really identify with any party, um, but I like common sense. That's, you know, that's, that should be worth something. Um, so, like, I get where you're coming from, Carissa, that, uh, yeah, we should be fearful. But this is exactly how this country was founded and why it was written the way it was in the Constitution. Like, the, There's no reason that I should be fearful of my country. I should feel no. like they protect me. You right. know, like that's yeah. absolutely weird. Um, and, you know, maybe a lot of people don't feel any fear at all, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, if you're if you're the individual that's just going through life and not caring, you don't vote or you you do vote or you're just kind of like indifferent about the the direction things are going like, sure, I'm sure that the powers that be 
prefer that kind of individual. Um, but there, you know, there's probably hundreds of thousands of Americans that speak up every single day. And that's not enough considering the size of the population. It's not enough, but they do. They're, these are the same people that, um, say the things that we're saying and it is uncomfortable to say them um, and we shouldn't be afraid to say them and yet sometimes we are this is another reason why we are where we are a lot of intelligent people that um, feel these things but understand like if you express them there are consequences what those consequences may be um, is uncertain and that can be even scarier uh, again, how this country was founded is just based on that. They wrote it in there, like, be afraid of your government and make sure you hold them accountable because the fear isn't that you're afraid of what they might do to you. Be afraid of um, what they're actually capable of um, if you don't participate, if you're not active and don't speak up, um, remain well, informed. Why, yeah, but- why am I sitting around wondering? so much what's true and what's not you know i mean you wouldn't do that like i if if you just knew you know that everything's okay you know and why are there so many people that are so like opposing each other why are there two completely different ideas about what's happening you know i mean yeah if everything was fine i think we'd all just know everything's okay yeah the thing is is though we we do have this idea and this is the thing about this country. It's free speech. Everybody has their opinion, <clears throat> what they feel is right to themselves. Now, the thing is, I'm a libertarian. That, that's my perspective. That's where I come from. I don't really have any associate party that I'm a part of. But everybody has their own view. The thing is, you don't need <clears throat> a political party to claim your views. Being conservative means that you're a conservative. You have conservative views, and that's your outlook. But that doesn't make you a Republican, and you don't have to be a Republican. Same thing with people that are liberal. There's nothing wrong with being liberal. Liberal is a really good idea. It's a very nuanced way of moving with the times. But that doesn't mean you have to be a Democrat. You know, you don't have to be liberal. Yeah. You just, you know, you're a liberal and you're proud of being a liberal. There's nothing and wrong with that. It's okay to change your mind, by the way. Of course. You can jump around. Yes, you of course you can. You want. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, this has been <laughs> a blast. Uh, we've been talking for two hours. Can you believe it? It's been great. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been great. Uh, I Are really we actually enjoyed. done? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like there's more. I know. There's always There's always more. more. Yeah, <laughs> that's the purpose of next week. Yeah, what are we doing next week? Well, um, Do you know I don't what? remember. What are we doing next week, Mike? We were just going to talk about how awesome David is. Uh, next that week could, that could be that could be a bonus episode, Dave. Ooh, and we just talk about how awesome Dave is. And then, and then, and then, and then we can do slideshows of your art. How about for uh, both of you? Do slideshows uh, of your art. Oh, uh, yeah, we could. Yeah. I think I can hear you blushing. Well, I am blushing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, guys. This has been real. This has been fun. 
Uh, like always, we post every single Tuesday. Hopefully something that won't get censored. Crossing my fingers, please. Also check us out on Patreon. That's Lost in the Groove. So you can be a part of our incredible community. As always, have a great week. Have a great day. And peace.